two things I want to update you on this morning, this lovely Friday. They still haven't caught that naughty otter. Go. <laughs> Go, otter. <laughs> For those of you who might not remember, we talked about naughty otter 841, I believe, who's wreaking havoc in Santa Cruz. Yeah, um, yeah. Stealing people's surfboards. Man, how does an otter carry a surfboard? That must be a swole otter. They're bigger than you think they're going to be. Stop trying to catch him. Just let him be him. Yeah. Yeah. Second update. Uh-huh. We asked on Instagram if people thought phones should be banned in schools, and the majority said yes. I guess it's one of those things that it's easy to say used to, isn't it? Do I need a government to tell me so? Don't think I do. Thank you for those updates. I appreciate knowing what is going on and harking back to stories that we have done. Let's launch into the moment. And kia ora. This is Newsable. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. Deadly wildfires are raging across parts of Hawaii. And one of our forestry organisations says we need to take serious notice. Also, the quarterfinals of the FIFA World Cup begin today. So former footy fern Anna Green gives us her hot takes on the matchups. A Wellington vigilante, or bingilante, get it, has taken bad curbside recycling into their own hands. And it is a double pointer this week. After it's high last week, high stakes, high risk, high reward, Fun Fact Friday. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz slash support. The fires that have plagued the Northern Hemisphere over summer are showing no sign of letting up. We've talked already on the show about the blazes in Greece and elsewhere, and now the latest to be hit is Hawaii. Multiple people have died and many more have been injured by wildfires sweeping across the island of Maui in Hawaii. And there are also fires on what's known as the Big Island as well, burning homes, burning businesses, burning hundreds of acres of land. Thousands are without power or cell phone service. Authorities are evacuating neighbourhoods, which means shelters are filled. There are reports hospitals are overrun. Holiday goers are trying to flee. Although the island that is home to Honolulu appears to have been spared, it's another disaster unfolding before our eyes. The fires are being fuelled by strong winds from a nearby hurricane, low humidity and dry, dry air. And it's that dry, hot weather that provides the perfect foundation for a wildfire to let rip. There's also a lot of grassland as well, which provides the perfect fuel. And wildfires on the scale that we're seeing in Hawaii and have seen in Europe recently aren't as big of a threat to us in New Zealand at the moment The National Institute of Forestry here is warning that we need to look at what's happening in the Northern Hemisphere and proactively fireproof the country in case of a similarly hot and dry summer. James Treadwell is the president of that organisation and he's with us now. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. James, I guess the first question here is how do wildfires tend to start in New Zealand and how do they tend to spread? Most wildfires in New Zealand have come from human interaction. Now, they're generally be started by humans. It's very rare that we have fires starting from natural causes like lightning. Um, and if you think of the last major fires that we've had, whether they be in Nelson or Christchurch, they all um, started from a human cause. Mindful of that then, so why are you especially concerned about wildfires heading into this year's summer? Summer is going to be much hotter and much warmer. That's what we're heading mm-hmm. with um, El Nino. So 
what we will do is we will have far more uh, dry material around, and it's the dry material that's worrying us. It won't cause the fire to start, but what it will do is make the fire far more intense and far more difficult to put out. What parts of the country are most at risk of wildfires? Generally, it's the East Coast. Anywhere where you have public interaction, um, that's always an issue. And then also sort of our high country in the South Island is going to be highly flammable. Traditionally, that used to be farmed, it used to be grazed, it used to be burnt, and that's not happening anymore. So we're getting a lot of fuel loading in those areas. Have we seen an association in past years between an El Nino year and fires raging in New Zealand? The simple answer to your question is yes, we do see that there is more fires. However, it probably hasn't been so public because it used to be um, with the rural volunteer firefighters, they were hit really, really hard and put out quickly. The forestry companies would be on standby with helicopters. That's not happening anymore. So what we're seeing is that these fires are starting They're getting out of control very quickly. And once they're out of control, um, they're very difficult to put out. So how do you proactively fireproof New Zealand? We need to look at what has been done in high country before with um, reducing the fuel loading. And that can be from actually going in there and doing controlled burnings, potentially more grazing. Obviously, some people don't like that. um, And we've just got to think about how we manage that process. We're trying to go back to what we had pre-human time. But to get to there, we've got this really risky period, and it's a long period. It's going to to take 20 or 30 years before some of these areas go back into native, naturally. And whilst we know native doesn't burn as well, up until that is fully formed, we are at risk. I mean, one thing somebody might say on this is is the idea that, you know, slash in particular and debris from forestry can actually be a contributing factor. That can be a source of fuel that has to be managed and that forestry companies should be taking more responsibility for the management of that. What would you say to that? Look, Emil, it's a, it's a fair call, um, but I think forestry companies are very aware of that issue and they protect it, right? So they, they make their money out of uh, growing timber and they do not want it to burn down. We have in the past put a a lot of money into protecting rural fires and to making sure they don't even come into the forests or escape out of the forests. With the formation of FENS, the um, National Emergency um, New Zealand, that sort of got taken out of our hands a bit. It's now being managed centrally um, and it's now being managed by a less rural focus. People have come more from an urban focus. James Treadwell from the National Institute of Forestry, thanks very much for your time. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Now, we put what James had to say to Fire and Emergency New Zealand, and the organisation told us it will be closely working with industry and agencies to mitigate the risks of wildfires to the public, to property and to the environment. FIFA quarterfinals chat is coming up. We're both very excited for this one because Mm -hmm. we're both heading along to the games. But just a quick reminder, we have a morning newsletter where we discuss various aspects of the show more often than not. We're either asking you for various recommendations or giving you various recommendations or, as Emil recently did, arguing why Leo is the best star sign. Because it is. So if there's anything that should incentivise you to sign up so you can reply... It's that. Make sure you sign up, head to newsable.co.nz, scroll down and then click the subscribe to our newsletter link. Virgo's okay too. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. 
Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to quarter-finals day. Two of them are here. How exciting. It feels like it's gone by very quickly, doesn't it? So fast. Uh, so in just a few hours' time, we've got the Netherlands versus Spain in Wellington for the afternoon match. And then tonight in Auckland, Japan versus Sweden, which I'm going to absolutely frothing. You could almost fly between and see both of those matches, actually, couldn't you? Oh, you could. I'm going to the Welly one. Haven't quite haven't booked any flights to Auckland. Might be a bit late. But anyway, here to share in the anticipation is former Football Fern and Sky commentator Anna Green. Welcome back to the pod. Amazing. Thank you for having me. I thought that was so interesting when you were like, it feels like it's like come around so quickly because those group stages dragged. I felt like there was like so many games. And now, but you're so right. Now that we're in like knockout phases, it is like flying by and we're going to like blink and it'll be the final. Tell us how you really feel, Anna. <laughs> anyway, Wellington this afternoon, I will be screaming my lungs off. What are your thoughts about Netherlands v Spain? Technical play on both sides? Yeah, I think it is such a cool matchup. They play like quite different styles with the Netherlands being like so physical and Spain being so technical and having a million passes a game. Speaking of differing styles, I mean, Japan, Sweden, that's about as, as polarised as you can get. Japan have kind of been like the most stylistically different or separate team of the tournament so far, would you say? The speed of their play has been like super exciting to see, but Sweden... Obviously, to knock out USA is like such a huge feat, but they weren't flying in that game, and it was like a really big defensive performance. But offensively, I don't think they were super sharp. So it's going to be a super interesting matchup. I think Japan are the informed team, so that would be my pick. Not that you asked for it, but that's what I'd be. Um, that's my hot tip for the day. And then looking forward to tomorrow, the quarterfinals in Australia and Australia versus France. This is going to be great. Sam Kerr's probably going to be back, but France are a super strong team, aren't they? Yeah, I think this is like if you were looking at all four ties, like this is the one that I'm like most yeah. excited about. Australia are in such great form. France just smashed Morocco. I'm so excited for that one. No doubt that'll be a sellout in Brisbane with a huge crowd for them, for the Tillies. But what about England v Colombia? Will they be singing It's Coming Home, even though they lost that star player with that red card against Nigeria? That image just still replays in my mind. I know, it wasn't that just like such an odd occurrence. But like also then I'm like, okay, would I stamp on someone? Probably not. But like she was just so frustrated. So yeah, I think it was definitely, mm. she'll be looking at that as a brain explosion. But yeah, I think um, mm. England, I think, will be good enough to take that one out. I accidentally stood on my sister once when we shared bunk beds and we still remember that to this day. Anyway, thank you so much, Anna, for joining us. Remember, you can catch all the action on Sky and Stuff is also streaming matches and has its own FIFA Women's World Cup hub as well. Make sure you check that out. Remember, we've got Fun Fact Friday today, and it is a biggie. We'll explain why in just a second. But remember, we want you to play along, so make sure you follow us on Instagram to get your votes in. Just search up Newsable NZ. There's a mysterious vigilante on the loose in Wellington, Emil. Is it you? No. That sounds like the sort of thing a mysterious vigilante would say. 
you want to hear what this vigilante's been doing? Yes, I do. Tell me. So they've been going around putting very convincing-looking stickers on people's recycling bins. Okay. All right. That sounds legit. Yeah, it does. Until you read some of the things they've put on these stickers. Uh, So they're chugging these on these recycling bins that haven't been collected. And the sticker reads, and it ticks off various things. One of them is your recycling is depressingly bourgeois. You've put the wrong bin on the wrong week. Dumbass. (laughs) And all-time fave, aerosol cans. What do we look like? The f***ing wombles? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That is glorious. The council, as you imagine, is at pains to point out these are not official uh, recycling stickers that they're slapping on people's bins. So we got Richard McLean from the council to join us, and he is here now. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora, folks. Credit where credit's due, Richard. These stickers look very authentic, and they actually do raise some pretty valid poor recycling points. Well, that's that's actually one of the, the best things about having first seen them uh, yesterday. They're pretty uh, plausible kind of things. And and one of the, the funny things about it, I mean, apart from, as you say, the, the tick box saying your recycling is depressingly bourgeois, which I must say is my favourite <laughs> as well. There's, there's a whole lot of, like, really um, honest truths on there. Things like, you know, broken glass. Don't shove broken glass in. I think it says something about something pooey. Yeah. You know, it's a real problem for us. I mean, we get we get people putting absolutely disgusting things in, in recycling uh, bins and bags, including used baby nappies. We're quite amused and quite chuffed by these little uh, sort of gorilla <laughs> Uh, assistance. <laughs> How did you find out about them? Like, did people ring you up and say, uh, is this <laughs> is this legit? I think someone has just taken a photo and shoved it on social media, I think. So, in other words, right, yeah. and so we've done a bit of a um, a check around with with our um, on-the-street people and that, and so far we've only been able to figure out that there's probably about one or two or three of the things. So are you proud that Wellington is now part of that uh, New Zealand satirical fraudulent sticker tradition? Oh, why not is, is all I'm saying. And I mean, like, you know, one of the things is there there are a number of clues on those stickers that it's not really legit. I think, I mean, they've got the wrong logos for a start. And I think that if you look hard enough, instead of saying absolutely positively Wellington on the council logo, I think it says something like, Absolutely nothing to do with the council, but <laughs> considering the glowing terms in which you're talking about this, Richard, and you, and your regular misdirection efforts, I'm starting to suspect that you may be the vigilante himself. I couldn't possibly comment, but um, <laughs> but you know, we're we're all young once, indeed. Richard McLean from Wellington City Council, thank you so much for joining us. It's a big fun fact Friday today. The old double pointer, for those of you who don't follow us on Instagram, which you should obviously go and do right now. We released the results earlier this week and Did he? you all thought both our fun facts were equally as fun. Yeah. So it was a 50-50 split. Therefore, no one won. And this week, two points are up for grabs. The second time in usable history. It's like the, the, the fun fact Friday lottery. Okay, I've got a good fun fact. Go on then. Australia is wider than the moon. That is a good fun fact. I Good resorting to space facts. Yeah, you know, I've taken, taken yeah. a leaf out of your book. Isn't that wild, though? Is it really? It's yeah. wider than the moon? Yeah, according to Google. <laughs> wow. No, 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 Google. Google Google's right, right about things like this, yeah. And now I just really want to see the moon on Australia. 
I mean, there will be some some usable listeners out there who have good Photoshop skills. So if you would like to superimpose the moon over the landmass of Australia to demonstrate this. To scale. Yeah, to scale, please. Yeah. <laughs> Email such an image to us at newsableatstuff.co.nz. My fun fact is that Russia once turned up two weeks late for the Olympics because they forgot to change their calendars. What do you mean change the calendars? That, that's pretty much it, though. So, like, you know, there are lots of calendars in the world, right? Like, there's, like, the Mayan calendar and the Islamic calendar and the Hebrew calendar and, and so on and so forth. And for a long time, the main calendar used in most Western countries was the Julian calendar, which was um, standardized by Julius Caesar. Um, and the Julian calendar said that the length of a year on Earth was exactly 365 and a quarter days. But it's not. It is 365.2422 days. And so this means that after hundreds of years, extra days start getting put into the calendar. And so they noticed in the Roman Catholic Church that equinoxes weren't happening on the right dates. And this so frustrated Mm. one particular pope, Pope Gregorius, that uh, he decided to adopt a new calendar, the Gregorian calendar, which is the one that most countries use today. But um, some countries didn't adopt the Gregorian calendar for a long time i.e. Russia. And so Russia was meant to turn up to the 1908 Olympics for their first event on the 11th of July. And as far as they were concerned, they did turn up on the 11th of July. But uh, it wasn't actually the 11th of July. It was like the 22nd or something. Everyone was like, what are you up to? Like, the the event's already happened, man. (laughs) Yo, it's over. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad we established this was in 1908. I was imagining this was like the early 2000s. (laughs) Uh, thankfully, they didn't miss out on too much because the 1908 Olympics ended up lasting for six months. What? Yeah, still the longest ever Olympics. Um, and you will be glad to hear that Russia ended up joining much of the rest of the world and using the Gregorian calendar uh, in 1918. So they haven't faced that issue since. So Australia is bigger than the moon. V Russia didn't update Google Calendar and, and was late to the Olympics. Head to the Insta, Instagram, Newsable NZ. Vote for your fave, um, and we will reveal the winner on... Monday. There's a double pointer, so please, Newsable listeners, go just to make sure that we're getting the most Pulse of the Nation result. But that is Newsable for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I'm Imogen Wells. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. We've got a banger of an episode out tomorrow with Anna Green once more joining us to explain penalty shootouts. We've seen a lot of them lately. We wanted to know more. Was this episode of Newsable usable? Then back NZ News by making a financial contribution at stuff.co.nz/support.